And hello everybody, this is Joe Caracelli, and welcome to my second podcast. Yep, it's podcast number two, Joe Caracelli and his magic radio. We're going to uh, mostly be talking about old-time radio in this series, but not all the time, all right? But uh, this particular episode, this podcast, um, is in fact indeed about old-time radio, okay? The title of this is The Firing of Julius LaRosa on Radio. Now, you might say, what is a Julius LaRosa? Okay, if you're under the age of 50, you might not have ever heard of Julius LaRosa. Well, Julius LaRosa was a young singer uh, who really became quite prominent in America in the early 50s, thanks to Arthur Godfrey. Now, we'll talk about him in a minute. But uh, around the early 50s, of course, Sinatra was probably king. Tony Bennett, who's still alive in his 90s, as I speak now. Uh, Jerry Vale, um, Nat King Cole, Vic Damone, Eddie Fisher. These were the voices, the male voices anyway, of the day in the early 50s. Julius LaRosa was a young man from Brooklyn, New York, and he happened to be in the Navy when Arthur Godfrey discovered him and gave him his first big break on his uh, radio show and also his TV show. Now, Arthur Godfrey Arthur Godfrey, back in the mid to late 40s and early 50s, was probably the greatest thing in America since the invention of the nail file, all right? (laughs) He was the greatest thing in America since the invention of the cream puff. Arthur Godfrey was on about maybe 10 times a week uh, on radio and, and then later television, okay? He had various shows. Uh, the most popular one was Arthur Godfrey Time, okay? He also had a show uh, starting in the late 40s on radio and then TV called Arthur Godfrey and His Talent Scouts, where people would act as talent scouts and bring, uh, you know, um, co-workers, friends, family to Arthur. But anyway, Arthur Godfrey was on radio and television And probably the only place where you couldn't pick up Arthur Godfrey in the early 50s might have been, uh, the only thing you can turn on without getting Arthur Godfrey might have been uh, your kitchen faucet. (laughs) He was ubiquitous. He was everywhere. Omnipresent. Okay? And uh, my mother loved him. He had a folksy quality about him. Uh, I'm going to let you hear a little bit of the way Arthur Godfrey sounded had you tuned in to CBS radio and then later television back in the late 40s, early 50s. Arthur Godfrey was sponsored by Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup. Let's listen. Here we go. Let's have another cup of Lipton Tea. Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup present Arthur Godfrey. You know it's Arthur Godfrey when you hear them play. Oh, 
Thank you, thank you. Thank you, Peggy Marshall. The Holidays, George Bryan, Archie Blyer. Gee, you guys look pretty tonight. The orchestra and everything. Look at all these folk in his studio. Oh, God, if I'd known you were coming, I'd have brought a joke. <laughs> well, let's get to the news instead of jokes. President Truman is off on his 6,000-mile speaking trip during which he'll make 50 stops. For half the price, the Long Island Railroad could give him a 50-mile trip with 6,000 stops. So that's uh, the way Arthur Godfrey sounded. Very folksy, warm, comfortable, uh, you know, uh, demeanor. And he was beloved in America. As I said, my, my own mom loved Arthur Godfrey. He was known as the old redhead. All right. Um, Red Barber, the sports announcer, would use that a little bit. Um, as well. But uh, Arthur Godfrey, the old redhead, would play the ukulele, chat into the microphone, and he was especially known for kidding his uh, his sponsors, okay? He would joke uh, with his sponsors, tease his sponsors, before it was really fashionable. Uh, he had a lot of different sponsors. Uh, Chesterfield Cigarettes was one of them. Later, Kleenex. Uh, the most popular sponsor that uh, Arthur Godfrey had was uh, one I mentioned earlier and one you just heard, uh, Lipton Tea and Lipton Soup. Many times uh, Arthur Godfrey would say, uh, hey, hand me a pack of that Lipton Soup there. Let me see it. Chicken noodle soup. And he'd pick up the, uh, you know, the, 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 the packet of it like this. He'd pick it up. Let me open this up. And he would open up the packet of uh, of Lipton chicken noodle soup. And he said, I don't see any chicken in there, you know. And the audience would laugh along. I can remember one of the things which he said, which got a big laugh too, talking about Lipton tea. He said that one of his uh, fans wrote in and said, Arthur, why don't you uh, have your own face on the tea bag itself? on the, the Lipton tea bag, have your image on it. He says, this way people who like you would get a big kick out of seeing your face as they prepare their morning tea in the morning, seeing your face in there. He says, for those, of, uh, for those people who do not like you, Arthur, they would probably really enjoy seeing your face and seeing you get soaked into uh, boiling water. Things like that. So, uh, as I said, he had a very warm, uh, nice way about him, uh, Arthur Godfrey. Well, uh, one of the names that he mentioned a little earlier was Archie Blyer, if you can bookmark that name. Archie Blyer was his conductor, his music director. Okay? All right. So, let's get back to Julius LaRosa. Julius LaRosa was uh, about 20 years old. He was in the Navy around 1950, somewhere around there. And uh, he was a singer from Brooklyn, as I said, in the Navy, young man. And uh, Julie uh, would often sing at some of the naval dances for his officers and so forth. And he became semi-popular uh, among his, his, uh, his fellow sailors, okay? Well, one of Arthur Godfrey's uh, mechanics of his airplane, Arthur Godfrey was also a pilot, okay, um, 
one of his mechanics said to Arthur, Arthur, I think you ought to listen to this, uh, this young man. He's good. Uh, the, the mechanic, I believe, also was in the Navy. He was a, a naval mechanic, but he also worked on Arthur Godfrey's airplanes. And he said, why don't you, uh, I think I'd like you to listen to a very young sailor. Uh, people are really enjoying his singing. So they did. And Godfrey arranged for a uh, some, somewhat of an audition. Uh, Julius LaRosa was stationed in uh, Florida at the time. So Arthur Godfrey either sent one of his people there to, to hear him, or I, I don't know the exact story. I don't think he heard him himself. He might have, though. And he liked Julius LaRosa. And he, uh, you know, he invited him to appear on his show, on his, uh, I believe, radio show. Uh, it was uh, called Arthur Godfrey Time, okay? It was also simulcast, which means that it was on TV and radio. Don't forget, back in the very early 50s, late 40s, not, every, not everybody had a, uh, a, a TV at the time. So they would simulcast many shows. Anyway, uh, Julius LaRosa appeared on the show, okay? And uh, the audience received him favorably. And uh, Arthur Godfrey said something like, you know, Julie, uh, when you leave the Navy, uh, come back to me and you know, I'll give you a job anyway. So that's how it, 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 uh, it stood. Well, after Julie did in fact, uh, finished his stint in the Navy, he did come back to Arthur Godfrey and he appeared on the show a couple more times. And then Arthur Godfrey actually uh, hired him on the air. He said something like, Julie, now I'm paraphrasing now, Julie, everyone seems to really like you. You're out of the Navy. You need a job. Uh, how would you like to be one of our regular performers? By the way, Godfrey called his regular performers the Little Godfreys, okay? And uh, they were uh, Tony Marvin, who was his announcer, Jeanette Davis, who was a singer, uh, Marion Marlowe, a singer, uh, the McGuire sisters, uh, Frank Parker, uh, who else? Uh, the Cordettes later on all became, you know, Godfrey regulars. They as I said, Godfrey referred to them as the little Godfreys, okay? All right, so Julie had a job, and Julie was doing great on the Arthur Godfrey radio show and TV show. Well, I think maybe he was getting to be too great, and uh, America was accepting him a little too much in the eyes of Arthur Godfrey because within a few months, this unknown kid from Brooklyn, the, the sailor who could sing a little bit, well, he started getting uh, maybe four or five times the amount of fan mail than uh, the old redhead himself got. And uh, that irked uh, Arthur a little bit. In fact, uh, let's not kid ourselves. It irked him a lot, okay? So, all right. But Godfrey is the one who was credited for finding Julie and, uh, you know, discovering Julie and putting him, in, putting him on his radio show and also TV show.
All right, so, well, here's something that you should know, though, to, uh, you know, to really kind of get into uh, why he was fired in the early 50s. Well, it seemed that Arthur Godfrey, you know, while he, he was kind of like a, a strict parent to all of the little Godfreys, you know, his regular performers, okay? And one thing uh, Godfrey did was he discouraged his cast members from hiring a manager or a, uh, a booking agent, all right? You know, and I can sort of understand that, you know, he was thinking, look, you know, I discovered all of you. You know, if you, you want to negotiate something, come directly to me, all right? And uh, that's exactly what he wanted, all right? Uh, the other thing that uh, Arthur Godfrey uh, really kind of mandated is he wanted all of his, his cast members, the regular performers, to attend uh, special dance classes, okay? Uh, this is for the TV show. So that they would, you know, come across with grace while they were doing the show. All right. Well, one time, Julie did not attend one of those those mandated uh, dance classes. All right. Um, supposedly there was some kind of a family uh, emergency or something like that. Well, that steamed Godfrey. Now, remember, Godfrey was already percolating a little bit with all of the attention that this, this young Julie LaRosa was getting, okay, and even eclipse, eclipsing the man himself in popularity. So, Julie did not attend one of the, uh, the uh, you know, special dance classes, and uh, I think the next day or the day after, he got a memo from... Mr. Godfrey saying, well, since you couldn't attend the dance class, your services are not needed on our television show. So, okay. All right, all right. Well, anyway, that was bad enough. Okay, so a little while after that, Julius LaRosa really kind of uh, stepped into a booby trap, so to speak, a career booby trap by hiring himself a personal manager. He hired a personal manager and, I believe, a booking agent, too. Oof. Now, if that weren't bad enough, remember I told you to kind of bookmark and remember Archie Blyer, who was uh, Godfrey's conductor and music director. Archie Blyer founded a brand new record label called Cadence Records. Cadence C-A-D-E-N-C-E, Cadence Records. And uh, by the way, some of the early artists on Cadence Records were uh, Andy Williams, had a few early hits on Cadence. The Everly Brothers, I, I think Johnny Tillotson as well, but the Everly Brothers had all of their early hits on Cadence, okay? And Julius LaRosa. Julie was the first person whom Archie Blyer signed for his new label. Now remember, Archie Blyer was Arthur Godfrey's conductor and music director. And now all of a sudden, you know, Archie Blyer hires Julius LaRosa to, uh, to record for his brand new label, Cadence Records. Now you might say, well, what's wrong with that, Joe? I mean, you got to make a connection somewhere. I get it. 
I get that. And remember, there was, you know, a lot of, uh, you know, that, that feeling with Godfrey, you know, steaming and brewing in the background. Anyway, so, uh, but, the, but I think really the clincher here was that uh, he hired a personal manager, Julius LaRosa did. And to make matters worse, either his manager or his agent, I forget which, uh, <laughs> sent a letter, an official letter to Arthur Godfrey and said something like, in the future, any financial matters, business matters must go through me, the manager or the booking agent. And man, could you imagine Arthur Godfrey, you know, I think his face probably turned as red as his hair at that time. So, uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, it, it was a bad, bad scene. Uh, we'll talk about that in a little while, but I want you to hear from my personal collection how it actually sounded, okay? Now, I checked around on, on the internet, and you can't even find this. You might hear little bits and pieces, but this is the full broadcast. I just edited out the song a little bit, but uh, you're going to hear how it sounded, okay? So, oh, one thing I have to tell you about it is that Godfrey was just getting, as I said, he was passive-aggressive in many ways, but he was justifiably upset because he found, you know, uh, Julie. And now all of a sudden, you know, could you imagine, you know, all of uh, my business matters and personal matters must go through my, my manager and my agent. Come on, you know. But Julie was a young man. Who knows? Maybe he was ill-advised. Uh, it was not a good idea, you know. Uh, maybe other people you want to uh, go through your manager, you're booking it fine, but not, not Mr. Godfrey. He found you. He plucked you out of the Navy and made you a household name. So, right, can, can you get that? Now, I don't know how you feel about it. You can respond to this. It would be sort of like, you know, uh, this is not a great analogy, but it's not bad off the top of my head. It's like, you know, uh, someone makes it in the business, you know, and then his or her first music teacher who helped that student so much and put them in shows and, and uh, steered them in the right direction and, and down the right path. Now, all of a sudden, your music teacher, eight years later, comes to see you on Broadway and, you know, you won't see him or her in your dressing room, you're a little too busy and you, you know, you say, well, maybe another time. Now, unless there was a darn good reason, you know, that's right. Or doing that to one of your parents, right? Your parents comes to see you in, uh, in an off-Broadway play or whatever, and you, you're too busy. Now I could see before the show, maybe you're nervous, you know, but after the show, you one of your parents. And that's kind of what it felt like. It was a, it was a, kick in the stomach for Arthur Godfrey. So I can understand both sides. But anyway, so Arthur Godfrey was passive aggressive. Listen to that as you, uh, as you uh, or, or think about that passive aggressive 
trait in Arthur. He was setting everything up. Uh, one thing I want to tell you, though, before we play the clip is that uh, he was just, you know, he thought that Julius LaRosa was getting a little too big for his britches, lacking humility. All right. Now, he happened to uh, be talking with a, a gentleman by the name of Frank Stanton. Frank Stanton was, I believe, the president of CBS, both networks at the time, TV and radio. Frank Stanton was an executive for CBS. And he mentioned that. He says, I don't know, Julie is losing his humility. Blah, 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 blah. So Frank Stanton said, well, Arthur, uh, a few years ago, a couple of years ago, you hired him on the air. Why don't you fire him on the air? So that's exactly what Arthur did. So listen for that passive aggressiveness. I don't want to turn this into a psychology show. Listen to Arthur setting everything up before uh, he even had Julie sing his song. So here we go. Let's listen. This is how it actually happened. October 19th, 1953. Oh, one other thing I need to add is that Julie uh, was waiting to go on. He had uh, uh, one, one of the other performers sang, maybe another performer, and he had to sit through three or four other performances before he got his turn. And this was Arthur Godfrey choreographing that so that it w this would be at the very end of the show, all right, when he would spring this on Julie. So let's listen right now, okay? Uh, keep in mind also that um, it was Arthur Godfrey time, uh, which was on TV and radio, but I believe the last hour was only on radio. So only the radio audience heard this. Let's listen. October 19th, 1953. Listen to the way Arthur Godfrey kind of uh, sets the tone. Here we go. Listen right now. And now I want you to meet a young man named Julius LaRose. It pleases me mightily whenever I see the reception that you give these kids, and especially Julius here. How long ago did you come? It was uh, November 13th. No, November 17th, 1951. Be two years next month. Uh, quite two years. Yes, sir. Two years ago. It was about three years ago then when I first met you. October 4th, 1951. <laughs> when I first met Julie, I'll never forget when he first came up here and I said to him, uh, well, when you get out of that man's Navy, if you don't want to stay in for 30 years, come on up here and I'll <laughs> give you a job. And he took me at my word. And he came and I put him to work. And immediately everybody loved him. And it always has done my heart good to see that you people saw the same quality in him that I saw. Which, if you have noticed, and I'm sure you have, is the same quality that I have in everybody in my cast. I picked them all that way. Sure, he's got a good voice. But lots of people have good voices. There's something else that you like, which is a, a wonderful quality that it's hard to get. I'll never forget when he first came here and went to work steadily. He said to me, gee, you know how he used to do, gee. <laughs> I don't know, with all those stars on the show. And I said to him, Julie, you don't know it, but I don't have any stars in my show. And my 
show. We, we're all just a nice big family of very nice people like yourself. And you hold on to that quality and you'll never have to worry about a thing. You're just as big as anybody else. You just go on, try to improve yourself all the time, and one day you'll be the big stuff, see? And this boy in two years' time has done this. He and Archie have their own recording company now, and he's, he's gotten to be a great big name. And I would like Julie, if he would, to sing me that song called Manhattan. Have you got that? Huh? Sing me that. Well, I've Manhattan, the Bronx and Staten Island too. It's lovely going Ever so much, Julie. That was Julie Swan's song with us. He goes now out on his own, as his own star, soon to be seen in his own programs. And I know you wish him Godspeed, same as I do. This is the CBS Radio Network. So there you have it. There you have it. And of course, the theme uh, faded out, seems like old times, which Arthur would sing in the beginning on most of his shows, and then at the end you heard the orchestra playing it. Now, really, uh, Julie, in a way, was sort of, uh, you know, sucker-punched in a way, right? Blindsided, ambushed. And, uh, by the way, remember, too, Julie was in his early 20s, and uh, Julius LaRosa was a kid from Brooklyn. So when Arthur said that was Julie's swan song with us, Julie said at first, I didn't even know what, what he was talking about. What, was swan song? You know, I don't know that I knew what that was when I was in my early 20s. But he found out, you know, I, it's somewhat, Julie, I think you've been fired. So all of America on radio, remember the, the TV portion uh, was not on. The last hour was only heard on radio. And Julie was fired right there on the air. Now, I wonder what you think of, of this. Uh, well, I can tell you now from history that it, it really had a backlash on uh, Arthur Godfrey. Uh, many people thought, how could you do that to, to this young kid, Julius LaRosa? You know, uh, you, you fire him, which is better, but on the air? <clears throat> and uh, many people just thought it was because uh, Arthur Godfrey was jealous of all of the attention, the fan mail, which he got. He wasn't happy that, uh, as I said, his own music conductor and, uh, you know, uh, music director, Archie Blyer, had formed a record company and hired Julius uh, to perform on his label. Uh, but I think the thing that really steamed him was uh, the fact that, that Julie hired a, a business manager and a, uh, you know, personal manager and a booking agent and that uh, he sent he uh, 
he, th that manager or booking agent sent uh, Godfrey that official letter, you know, from now on all of, you know, the matters with my client, Julius LaRosa, have to go through my office. And that really, that made him boil. And understandably, right? Now, again, did you, I don't want to toss this psychological word around too much, but, uh, you know, the passive aggressiveness, Godfrey was setting it up. You know, you know, I pick them that way. I pick all of my performers. Julie, we don't have any stars on this show. You know, we're one big family, blah, 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 blah. So that's how it happened. As I said, I don't know if Arthur Godfrey got such good advice by uh, the CBS executive, Frank Stanton, who, as I mentioned earlier, said, uh, well, you hired him on the air a couple of years ago. Why don't you fire him on the air? And uh, again, Julie was blindsided. Uh, and most of America sided with Julius LaRosa. And uh, Godfrey's own popularity took a, a kind of a spiral turn downward. Uh, and, and I don't think he ever really regained it, regained his uh, popularity because he had a, had a, you know, a, a reputation for being folksy and warm and, you know, uh, just a, 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 a uncle type, you know, a vuncular type uh, um, character. But uh, he never truly recovered. Julie, on the other hand, uh, would, would appear on various shows. He had some hit records, Hey, compadre, ba -da -ba -da 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 -da, which was kind of an Italian-American song. Domane, let's forget about Domane, da -da -da -da, and, and other songs. Uh, and Julius had a regular career. Uh, to those of you who remember Julius LaRosa, you might even know that he uh, later became a... Uh, a, an on-air personality, disc jockey, on WNEWAM, along with great, great announcers, William B. Williams, Ted Brown, and uh, many of the others, Jonathan Schwartz and so forth. Uh, Julie had his own radio show. And Julie was, as I said, a kid from Brooklyn, just down to earth, no pretenses. But again, I think uh, there was ill advice on both ends and i wonder what you think about that ill advice from uh, by uh, from frank stanton suggesting to arthur to fire him on the air just the same way you know that he that he hired him and uh, ill advice to julie a young kid who owed his whole career to arthur godfrey you know by uh, having him you know, uh, go through an agent and a booking manager. You know, it, th that should have been an exception, as I mentioned earlier. It really should have been. Uh, I'm going to make one exception. You know, tell your your manager and, and your booking agent. You know, Mr. Godfrey can go to me directly. I owe everything. I owe my career, literally, to Arthur Godfrey. So there you, you heard it, how it actually happened, Okay. So that was Julie's swan song, October 19th, 1953. All right. Uh, you know, there was, there was a separation between the two gentlemen. I think before Arthur Godfrey passed away, they had seen each other on, uh, 
in New York somewhere on the streets and gave each other a big hug and, and everything. And a lot of it was forgotten. But again, I don't believe that Arthur Godfrey ever really recovered from firing Julius LaRosa right on the air. One other thing, too, that I didn't mention is that uh, the old redhead uh, Arthur Godfrey was an, uh, a reserve officer in the Navy himself. So he kind of favored sailors, Navy men. And uh, when he, as I said, either he or one of his staff went to see Julie, you know, they, he kind of had that in there as well. But, uh, you know, Julius LaRosa was a big, big name, big singer in the uh, late 40s. Uh, but early 50s, I should say, not late 40s, early 50s. Uh, um, and he owed everything to uh, Arthur Godfrey. So there you heard it. By the way, uh, kind of one prologue here is that uh, right after he was fired, October 19th, 1953, later that month and into November, all of the comedians, you know, they picked up on it. Oh, you know, they kept saying lack of humility and so forth. It was, you know, and uh, humble and lack of humility. In fact, a novelty singer named Ruth Wallace, Ruth Wallace even recorded, uh, I believe in November of 1953, just a month after the firing, she recorded a novelty record in my hometown of Linden, New Jersey. She wrote and recorded uh, something called Dear Mr. Godfrey, Ruth Wallace. Listen. Dear Mr. Godfrey, listen to my plea. Hire me and fire me and make a star of me. If only opportunity knocks upon my door. I have such humility like you never saw before. Humility, humility. Julius lost his humility. Ruth Wallace from uh, November of 1953. Dear Mr. Godfrey, right? So anyway, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I hope you uh, enjoyed this account of what happened. And uh, if you have any uh, comments, responses, please, I'd love to hear from you. Um, some of you may not have ever heard of Julius LaRosa, and maybe you learned... Uh, something new and you learned uh, about him and uh, also Arthur Godfrey as well. So this is Joe Caroselli, Joe Caroselli and his magic radio. And we'll leave you with this. Good night. Good night. Jimmy Durante. It's time to say good night. Good night, folks. And good night, Mrs. Calabash. Wherever you are. 
That's all, folks. Joe Caroselli and his magic radio. Adios. Bye-bye.